This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and today we got a great show. We've got the Ringer's very own Brian Curtis coming on to join. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open happening here in Los Angeles. It's going to be a great conversation. We'll talk about Live. We'll talk about the PGA Tour merger, whole bunch going on in the world of golf, and maybe we'll talk about you know the finals a little bit as well. So now, come join us, myself, Brian Curtis, coming up now. All right, joining us now on Through the Ringer is the Ringer's very own Brian Curtis back for the second time. Uh, this is a big deal for us. And Brian Curtis, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Tate. I'm delighted to be back a second time. Right. And it's uh, we got a local news story. Those are the best news stories. We have the U.S. Open here in Los Angeles at LACC. You have gone there. You are a part of the media. You are covering this event. There's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of intrigue around, around this course and around you know this week with the U.S. Open. I want to start there you you went and you saw LACC what was your first impression when you saw the course and you saw the setup this week well I love cosplaying as a golf writer <laughs> it's good probably need to wear a half zip today yeah than the usual Curtis outfit yeah, we, here we love that um I tell you the weirdest part was you get your directions to the official media parking and it is in the basement of this giant high-rise building mm. it was like I was taking a meeting rather than covering a tournament I mean, and then you walk, and you know this, like L.A. Country Club, you walk basically through these big city streets with skyscrapers, yes. and then all of a sudden there is a golf course and a country club. Mm -hmm. It is the most L.A. Beverly Hills thing <laughs> ever, and the last major I was at last year was in Tulsa. Let me just tell you, the experience was slightly different covering a major in Tulsa than it is in L.A. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I've been in L.A. eight years, and I've made this drive plenty of times through Beverly Hills, and I didn't even realize where it actually was until I was looking on my map. You start seeing the signage around the city, you know, about the U.S. Open, and you're like, wait a second, there's a golf course right here? And that's sort of the intrigue about LACC. There's a lot of people that are in the city that have never seen the golf course. There's kind of this mystery behind it. There's even a lot of players that have never even played the course. Roy McIlroy probably being the most notable guy. What did you hear about that where guys just, they're not familiar with the course, right? Unless you played some sort of event as an amateur, that's really the only way in. Yeah, I think it was uh, Colin Morikawa had played some Pac-12 tournaments there. That was... <laughs> Max Homa, I think he has the course record. We'll hear that a lot this week, but he's from LA and he played yes. there an amateur event. So yeah. you got local people like that, local heroes, but then you got the types like Brooks Kepka came into the interview tent. This is, you know, <laughs> and Ari Brooks Kepka, right? We're going to get an Aaron Rodgers style interview 
you know, very downbeat, not a lot of smiles, mm. but a lot, a lot of, of grunting, a yeah, lot of grunting, a lot of frustration, yeah. but a lot of tweetable content too. He's like, <laughs> I embrace the chaos. I think that was his his <laughs> line yesterday. We're just like, whoa, okay. And you just see every every reporter grab their phone and go, I got this, <laughs> yeah. everybody, I got this. Yeah. Um, he came out and he said, you know, I'm going to play the front nine one day. I'm going to play the back nine the other day, and that's it. And then I'm good. And they're like, did you do any research about LACC before you came here? He's like, no, research. Eh, you know, what are you really going to learn? You got to be out there in the golf course. So, so that's it. So you're playing a major with just not a lot of, you know, stuff in the brain about how the course is going to work, which to me is fascinating. It is very fascinating. And, you know, there's a lot of people talking about scores will be high. Um, and that's typically of a U.S. Open, right? The, the rule of a U.S. Open is that the rough should be shin high. That's what everyone kind of goes into yes. and expects. It's a very long course. But there was one wrinkle that I saw, and shout out to our editor here at the Ringer, Matt Dollinger. He actually played LACC. They opened the course up for the media so the media could have some you know, insight into what the course was actually like. So I find that fascinating that a media member has played the course, but Rory McIlroy, a major winner, has not played the course. <laughs> how, how strange is that? And how t- you know, uh, This is very atypical, right? Strange in this case, but let me tell you the golf writers, right? They are out there because they like golf. Yes, of course. You know, basketball writers, they like the sport of basketball, but I don't know how many of them, you know, watch. They're not uh, like, give me the ball, let me put up some shots. It's like, I'm just going to go do this in my backyard. (laughs) I'm going to try to be. Golf writers really do do that. Yes. And that's part of it, right? They love the sport of golf. And Mm. when they get those media days where they can go out and do some research, on the course, oh my God, that line is huge. And it's nice when you know we see you know the the stories that come out before, and guys have you know even Dollinger you know put this article together, the big burning questions going into the tournament, and he's talking about his round and what holes would be you know an issue. And one of the fun wrinkles of this course, if you don't know about it, there are five par threes. So that is like their you know kind of wink wink. That's their signature thing that they have this week. We haven't seen much of that as well. Um, I have the props or the odds in front of me. Scotty Scheffler is the favorite. At plus 600 and I just want to point out to people Scotty Scheffler has not finished worse than 12th in a golf tournament for the last eight months UT's very young yeah right and we talk about Tiger Woods and the Tiger Slam and how amazing he was during that era Scotty Scheffler has been dominant he hasn't won as much because the putter hasn't been there but he's one of the faces of the sport but he's not necessarily talked about we talk about Kepka, the live side we talk about McElroy but what do you see in Scotty Scheffler and what does the media see in Scotty Scheffler that's a really interesting question because I think he is not the best interview in the tent Mm -hmm. that was what I heard he's the consummate nice guy right he's just so nice yeah but there's nice and then there's bland nice, right? <laughs> Rory McIlroy is nice and can be giving, right? John right. Rom, who I said in his interview the other day, was fantastic. Everybody got fed by John Rom mm-hmm. interview. Here's some here's some color about what happened when I heard the live PGA announcement. My right. phone was blowing up. I put my phone in the drawer. Like he was giving all that. And then let me give you the, each hole by hole. Give you a little something here. He was feeding everybody. And I think when you don't feed the media in quite the same way. Your, your reputation just is a little different. Yeah, it's a little different, and you don't get the same coverage that you might get. And Rom is a perfect example because when he came over originally, right, he had the nickname Rombo. He's the Spanish guy. <laughs> you know, Sergio Garcia was kind of the face of, the, you know, Spain for a while, and he wasn't, you know, much maligned, right? Not a lot of people were pulling for him until yes. he won, wins his Masters. But Rom has now kind of become a hero of sorts, right? People like Rom. Rom, you know, had a couple kids. He, he kind of has, uh, you know, his demeanor has changed a little bit, and he's almost like the Americans root for him, which is very fascinating. He has the second best odds at plus 1,100. Yeah, and he was great yesterday. You know, he had this line. I hope I don't butcher this too much. Somebody said, you know, is part of your motivation this week at LACC that you will become the first Spaniard 
to win the U.S. Open twice. Mm. And his response was, well, I'm the only Spaniard to win it once. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure. Like, I'll, like, just, I'll, I'll, just, yeah. I'll file that into my motivation. Right, right. Really good motivation question. I love when the media tries to give guys motivation, right? There's, there's, a, there's a very, like, sense of leading guys into, you know, certain quotes and things. That's why you see the LeBron James and people like that that over time have said, I'll take the high road here. I don't want to give you the bait. One of the famous examples when I think of LeBron is Clay Thompson in 2016 said, I hope we didn't hurt his feelings. And then a reporter asked him about that, and LeBron's like, I'm going to take the high road. I'm not going to fall into that. But with golf, it's the same sort of thing. And I feel like the two guys that are getting those quote-unquote leading questions, Roy McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, for different reasons, and they're paired in the first round together. How much of a media story is that, oh, those two guys? Absolutely fantastic. Yes, and- a lot of screenshots of like guys rolling their <laughs> eyes, potentially. And Roy talked in Canada <laughs> last week, so we uh, the media got their first shot at him, but his interview got canceled yesterday. Mm. Because I think he did not want to field those questions, inevitable questions about live and the PGA and feeling like, I believe his phrase was sacrificial lamb to somebody who defended the PGA and then got hung out to dry. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be fascinating. And I feel that those pairings are always done with just a side toward what would be the most fascinating thing you could see out there. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. Is there a world in which, and like you said, Roy, I mean, he stuck his neck out. He was basically the face of the PGA, sort of. We are above the money of the Live Tour. We are better than that. We're going to rely on tradition. We've seen, you know, Jack Nicholas, right, come out and say, I don't even acknowledge guys like Brooks Kepka, who just won a PGA championship, right? All these guys were kind of taking the holier-than-thou approach about the PGA. And now we have a merger that was announced. This was, and I thought you you summed it up great, you said the media was very flat-footed in this because no one had heard anything. It felt like a lot of things were discussed behind closed. We didn't even know that they were talking. We thought that these two entities hated each other. But then all of a sudden on Twitter we find out Liv and the PGA are together. What was that like, the media rollout of that? Because I've never been so shocked. It was incredible yesterday because you and I know a lot of sports writers. Yes. And let me tell you something. Whenever there's a huge story that comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you go up to sports writers and say, you know, I actually was hearing something <laughs> yeah, about that. Everyone's heard rumblings, Yeah, right? they, they try to horn in on the credit a little bit, and you, to which the obvious response is, well, why didn't you break it if you were hearing about it? (laughs) Let me tell you something. I talked to a bunch of golf writers over the last two days. Not a single one even pulled the, you know, I was hearing something about that. Mm. They knew nothing about it. Absolutely nothing about it. And this is not just a big news story. This is arguably the biggest story of these guys' careers. You know, I heard there was a little bit of a debate in the media tent yesterday. Tiger and the fire hydrant versus the live PGA bombshell. 
that's kind of one, two, right. probably in most of their you minds. You remember where you were when you heard the news. Yeah, Rise of Tiger in the mm-hmm. 90s is probably in that for guys who go back that far. But this was the biggest story they've ever covered. Right. They didn't know it was coming. And so all of a sudden on a Tuesday morning, you're like, ooh, content time. You know, crank out the pods, write something. They are texting players, golfers, and the players are going, dude, you know more than I do at this point because they didn't know anything either. Right. And that was such a funny dynamic yesterday at LACC. All these players are getting up there and they're going, you guys know more than I do, mm. which is a handy way of cutting off questions. But when I talk to the, the writers, they're like, I don't think they're sandbagging. Mm. They don't know anything about this. And they were supposed to be this unified front, or at least that was the way that it was put out to the world, that the PGA players that stayed, they all decided to say no to the money and that you know they're going to stay loyal to the PGA Tour. Um, That obviously has been thrown out the window at some level. And, you know, there was a lot of tweets, right? We we go to Twitter immediately when this stuff happens. Phil Mickelson, who basically became the scarlet letter of golf, right? You couldn't really talk (laughs) about him despite all all of his success and his, you know, relationship with Liv kind of changed the way that he was discussed in general. He quote tweeted the news when it came out from CNBC, which is also fascinating. CNBC broke this, and he just said, awesome day today. Uh, Brooks Kepka tweeted at Golf Channel analyst Brando Chambly, who's obviously been very vocal, um, you know, is asking how he was holding up. So the guys who were quote-unquote the bad guys, uh, I would call them the bad guys, the BAG guys that went and got their money, they're now doing a victory lap as this news comes out. How, How crazy was that to witness as a media member because now we're all kind of eating a little bit of egg. I think what's fascinating too is it's a continuation of the Twitter Thunderdome battles that have happened throughout the last 14-ish months, (laughs) 12 months and change, 16 months maybe, because this is not just a story that's playing out in official channels, on TV, in articles and stuff like that. You've got golfers tweeting at media members. Mm. You've got let's say live fan accounts i think that's the best way i could probably put it in everybody's mentions right everything they do and you're just going like this has been a very very online thing Mm -hmm. in addition to being a very big real story about golf and i felt when i saw those tweets especially phil's because let's say phil has been fairly online throughout this process that was kind of the nice capstone because it's like this has all been playing out on twitter too yeah and he's uh he's kind of one of the ones he and greg norman i felt like they both were on the front lines of let me destroy my legacy right in front of the the world and now it seems like people are trying to walk things back a little bit. I mean, there was never a world in which Greg Norman and Jay Monahan felt like they would be in a room shaking hands and being hunky-dory about things. But now Jay Monahan is going to be the, it is reported, will be the CEO of whatever this new entity looks like. But a lot of things are still being ironed out. Why did they have to get this story out? Because it, Was it because that it was going to get leaked eventually and they had to get ahead of it? Because nothing is set in stone as of now, right? That's the thinking. That there were probably five or seven people in the whole world who knew this was happening. And <laughs> it's you know, insane. Yeah, it, it is insane for a story that this <laughs> right. that's this big. And the New York Times had this wonderful detail where they were trying to meet in Italy, I believe it was, and the head of Formula One for some reason just happened to be there. And then like Jay Monahan's going like this because he's like, if that guy sees me and it's understands why I why I'm here, this is getting out. So there was a there was a thinking, and I, this is again just pure speculation in the media tent that maybe something happened. Maybe mm. this was it was about to escape in some way. So they got out there and rushed it out and like, here we go, let's get on CNBC, which is as you point out is a very odd place for a huge sports story to break. Um, I would just go back to your Greg Norman thing for a second 
<laughs> He's, Greg Norman is not actually in the room shaking hands with Jay Monahan because from all the reporting we've read, it's not clear Greg Norman was really in on the high levels of this deal. Right. Did he? Yeah, he didn't even know much about what was going on. Yeah. Right? So that also sets him up to, is he even a part of Liv? Or is Liv even, does Liv even exist moving forward? Cam Smith was asked about that. Uh, I think that's the biggest unknown quantity right now. Because there's two modes of thinking there. There's one that Liv was always going to be this way that the public investment fund was getting into golf, right? Mm-hmm. Let's create this thing. And now we've we done it. We, we realized our goal to some extent. So we don't need this Trojan horse anymore. I didn't take enough classical civ classes <laughs> at UT to understand what happened to the Trojan horse after the soldiers got out. Did they keep the Trojan horse yeah, in the town square? Yeah. They did dismantle it, so let's not quite go there. But then there's this other idea that, look, maybe now – does it become, does the public investment fund think of this now as it has been legitimized by proxy? Is mm. that going to be their theory of the case and that you keep it on TV, on the CW, that people are more willing to accept it because it is at least a sort of semi-partner with the official PGA Tour, the entities have come together in some way? Nobody knows that question. Mm. And one of the biggest knocks when all these guys were going to live was no one's going to be able to watch this. They're playing 54-hole events, so it's not going to be respected in the same way as 72-hole events. But then the PGA Championship happens. Well, first the Augusta happens this year, and Brooks Kepka is kind of in control, and it's inevitable, right? It felt like early on when Liv started, the Liv guys would play in the majors. They wouldn't be shown as much. It was kind of subtle things that would happen. But then when you have a guy like Kepka who is so talented, who is healthy, and honestly playing less probably really helps someone like him who was dealing with injuries is in contention he's leading major tournaments then he ends up winning a major tournament now you can't really ignore the fact that he's not on the PGA Tour and obviously the four majors are separate entities how much do you think Kepka winning played into the idea that the PGA Tour was like we have to address the elephant in the room here the best players aren't on the PGA Tour right now it certainly made the split more pronounced mm-hmm uh, and even Kepka had those interesting comments. I think it was at the Masters, right? Where he's like, I don't know if I would have gone if I understood my health better, right? I right. thought my health was shot in a certain way. And now that I'm feeling better and playing better golf, would I have made a different decision back when I had that choice? Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, the official explanation here from the PGA, from all the reporting we've read, is the legal fees were getting way too high because this was going to be a multi-year court battle with Liv. And they had jacked up all the purses at these events because they're trying to compete with what the Liv purses were. It wasn't sustainable. And they were just going to run out of money Mm -hmm. eventually. But there is this other idea that now we have the best, some of the best golfers in the world, not just the biggest names in the world, but the best golfers in the world are playing over in that other thing. And obviously you wonder how sustainable that was long term too. And one last point we have to hit because I thought it was a, it was a big counterpoint for the PGA Tour. They talked about 9-11, right? right? They kept bringing up the families of 9-11. That was Jay Monahan, one of his major talking points. And then for this news to come out of that, that just feels very hollow at this point. And how do you, from a PR you know, perspective, how do you manage that aspect of it? Because it seems disastrous from the outside looking in. Yeah, I have no, I have no advice for Jay Monahan's PR team right, right uh, now. <laughs> right. I think those it, clips are going to be on Twitter for a while, right, of him wrapping his arms around that and making that a part of the issue. And, you know, the PR for him was incredible because how do you not know you're going to be asked about that? The day after the deal. And he's going on giving this stumbling interview and he's saying something like, well, my communication was bad mm. with the 9-11 families. Oh, that's what it was. Right. So if you had called them in advance of the deal and said, hey, I am now completely going the other direction that I said I was going and that I spelled out on very moral grounds about this issue that is very 
near and dear to your hearts. I'm going the other way. If you just given them an advance notice, that would have been okay. Like, I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And it felt very strange. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau went on CNN and they asked him about oh, it. Can we talk about that for yeah, a second? Please. This is like one of the most fascinating <laughs> media moments of my lifetime because I was watching Golf Channel the day it broke on mm-hmm. Tuesday. And there's these, honestly, these golfers up there. I'm like, who the hell is this? I've never heard of this person. Like, this is this is who you got right. to talk about the biggest story maybe in golf history. And then CNN and Caitlin Collins booked Bryson DeChambeau. Who gives this very, you know, Bryson awful, DeChambeau interview, right? Bryson I mean, DeChambeau-esque interview. Yes. And Caitlin Collins is grilling him. And it's like, it's unbelievable television. And I'm like, oh my God, finally the Chris Lick theory of CNN worked. Chris Licht was gone, right. but it worked one time. And it was with Bryson DeChambeau getting booked on a primetime show and just sort of fumbling his way through all these questions. It was unbelievable. And in his mind, he probably would say it was like gotcha journalism, but at the same time, what did he expect going into that interview? You know <laughs> what I mean? That I think that's been the shocking part, too. And there's obviously going to be this you know, jealousy, whatever word you want to call it, from the guys who stayed loyal and the live guys, especially if they all just come back together on the same tour. But a lot of guys got paydays. Then there's this whole conversation, well, did they get this money up front? Was it promised over time? And then if you're the CW, you right who made a deal um with live to air these tournaments right if live doesn't exist i mean i know it was kind of like a profit sharing model in general but that also is a bad look for everybody involved and i feel i feel bad for the cw yeah and then that's an interesting part of this too right it's like broadcast partners most <laughs> broadcast partners it was a big stay away mm-hmm. like nope I mean, right. live was looking They're basically blackball anywhere they could for a deal and right. finally winds up on the cw and this was another thing like broadcast partners going to be interested in live now let's say it continues i don't know it's mm-hmm. kind of hard for me to believe that would be the case but we'll see and if the pga if the new entity right i mean what happens with advertisers and broadcast partners and, and things question. like that moving forward if they know they're implicated and how how much does that change this whole history of the tour and things like that it, it's going to be fascinating and i feel like the old guard the new guard um you know anyone who's a fan of golf there's going to be a lot of conversations and they're going to be very nuanced and uh i feel like jay monahan might be the person who uh, gets a lot of the brunt of the blame here and maybe Kepka and Rory can somehow come together because the the players, I hope they can find some way to get unified because it's good for the sport. My partner, David Shoemaker, on the Press Box podcast brought up a really interesting question the other day, which is like, how much right now should we be concentrating on Jay Monahan's hypocrisy Mm. on those Twitter clips you referenced? And how much should we be concentrating on what this is, what the PGA Tour has done? what it's going to be like to be a fan of the sport or cover the sport going forward. And I think the latter is probably where our minds should go now Yeah, right? at some point. I mean, it's totally fine to make fun of Jay Monahan. In fact, I encourage that. But I think there is this, this point at which you have to say, what is it going to mean to be a fan of this sport? What is it going to mean for the golfers now who find themselves, who stay with the PGA, find themselves in this very different arrangement? What, from my point of view, is it going to be like to cover this sport? Because all of us sports writers are promoting the thing we cover to some extent. Even if we're asking tough questions, doing our due diligence as journalists, we're, we're promoting it by giving it attention. What does that mean 
mm. now with this new company and this new arrangement. Are you implicated, right? I mean, that that's sort of the conversation. I think that's a great point by Shoemaker. Um, one last golf question to get off uh, sort of what the forecast, what the PGA Tour looks like. Talking about the U.S. Open this weekend, how much do you think the media will focus in on this merger and talk about it, and how much will they talk about the actual golf itself? Because last year it felt like the majors that started out hot where it was a lot of live questions and then slowly sort of started to taper off. And then this year at the Masters it was kind of only because Brooks Kepko was in the league going into the weekend was it something that was discussed? I think we should look at last year's U.S. Open mm-hmm. as a model here. In Brookline, we, Mass. In Brookline, yeah. Mass. Yeah, because if you remember, that was a real lead-up. The whole lead-up was live PGA, live mm-hmm. PGA, live PGA. And then the golf started. And all of a sudden, everyone went, wow, golf. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Major, right. sweet, man. This is great. It was an exciting finish. And then guess what happened? Was it one or two days after Brooks Kepka announced that he was going to live? Yes. So And Cam Smith was getting badgered with questions because there was rumors already that he may be going. He was the number two player in the world, and then he obviously ends up going later in the year. But, yeah, there was, that, that's when it all kind of the dominoes started to fall. Exactly. And I was, I'm always fascinated by our attention spans as both <laughs> sports media people and sports fans. Right. Whatever is in front of us, that's what we, are, we can lock in. <laughs> and then we immediately go, wait, what? Yeah. And I think that's going to happen this week. I think we're going to have the whole lead-up to the tournament will be about the bigger issues, about this huge story. I think when they play golf, a lot of it will be about golf. Again, depending on who wins, mm-hmm. depending who's on the lead. And then, you know, come Monday, there's more stuff to discover. The story's not over yet, and our necks are going to be craning around, and we're going to be right back where we started. And I think from a media perspective, if you just had to kind of cherry-pick what would be the best-case scenario for the coverage of this weekend, it feels like Max Homa playing at home. There's a lot of puns there with the home and the Homa, (laughs) and he has the course record, and he's trying to win his first major, and it just feels like... Max Homa is such a fun-loving guy in general, and he, you know he's kind of endeared himself to the public, especially online. If he plays well, is in the lead, then the stories will be more about him because he's such a great character. And that probably, if I had to guess what would be best-case scenario, it would be that. If it comes down to Rory, Kefka, they're going back and forth, that would be great, oh, too. fantastic. Right. So, I mean, th- there's some options that would keep us focused on the golf, which would be nice. You're a little sad we don't have Jim Nance this week, so we don't oh, get man. a welcome Homa uh, yeah. when, he, when he puts in. <laughs> at 18. I mean, that would be fantastic. Oh, man. Talk about a guy that just gets it. We love Jim Nance. Uh, One last golf question. This is uh, coming from our producer, Tucker. I think it's a good one. Where does being at a professional golf tournament rank amongst being a spectator at a professional sporting event? I think it's uh, one of the best ways to enjoy a sporting event. You get to enjoy the grounds. I, I said it was like almost tailgating, but you're on the football field. You know what I mean? It's the best. <laughs> you don't you don't get closer to the participants anywhere else. Yes. I would say the one drawback is that you are seeing a tiny part of a sporting event. Mm. You know, depending on where you're standing. Like if you're if you're if you're at 18 and you're in the gallery, look fantastic, right? You're you're seeing a lot, but you're seeing one very tiny part of this big sprawling event that goes everywhere right and i think the best seats in the house actually belong to people like us you're inside the ropes as a sports writer you're standing a couple feet away when i was in tulsa last year we would crouch down 10 feet behind tiger when he would drive because remember he was trying to play that tournament of course and every drive he would grab his, his leg and groan and he was like how could you ever get this closer to an athlete much less one of the biggest athletes most famous athletes in history uh, at another tournament, they hear the writers what the golfers are saying as they to their caddies and to each other as they walk down the fairway. They're standing. They have this amazing. So I think it's actually the best sport to cover 
uh, out of anything I can imagine. Yeah, I was at Riviera at the Genesis this year, and Morikawa was waiting on a tee box, and he just turned around and started talking to the crowd a little bit, you know? And it's like, <laughs> that's that's kind of the beauty of the golf event, and the fans are always, you know, so involved, and they're usually, for the most part, pulling for whoever's in front of them, you know what I mean? That's the nice part about golf, too. So there you go. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. One last thing I wanted to ask you, just as far as coverage, I think this is fascinating. We're talking about the U.S. Open, so it's obviously a little bit nationalistic there. But in 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 terms of what's ahead and looking at the stars in you know American sports, we got Messi coming to Miami. Hmm. We got Victor Wimbenyama about to be the number one pick coming from France. Both those guys are coming over here. How do you think those two guys will end up in the um, zeitgeist, right? In in American sports coverage, do you think they're going to you know immediately shoot to the top, or are they going to kind of find their footing a little bit? That's a really interesting question. Um, I would think they'd be close to the top. Um, Women Yana benefits from being, you know, sucked into the NBA media machine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and we've heard about him for a year, oh, right? Oh, there it is. Right? Like, he's here, right? Like, well, I mean, there's no, I mean, no shortage of coverage at this place or any other place about him. You know, Messi was interesting, too, because he just is like, has this amazing resonance on the world stage. Mm. Here, too, right? But that in that case, it feels like you're kind of translating something right. from, from one sort of place to another. Uh, and Americans, you know, we've seen we've seen international soccer stars come over here before. Yeah, and Ibrahimovic, Beckham, Rooney, and it's a big Henri, it's a right. big deal. But it it sort of plays differently because it's just the way soccer fandom you know sort of plays out here. But yeah, so that it's a fascinating question. I think I think I mean the Wimby thing to me has already started. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> it's all it's like we didn't even have to wait. You know, and in the summer it will be through the roof. And do you think? I mean, obviously the implication is that he's going to San Antonio. Do you think there, even though he is in San Antonio, he will get this? sort of 24-7 Brian <laughs> Windhorse-esque coverage like he did with LeBron early on. Do we expect that? It yeah. seems like that's the case. Yeah, writer down there, Mike Finger, tweeted right after oh, the Mike Spurs won the lottery. He was like, welcome back, National Basketball Writers to San Antonio. It's been a few years. Right. Yeah, it's like he's going to be in a place where, you know, again, there's not this just 
concentration of people who can get in their car and drive a couple of blocks and sit in the media room. Yeah, um, I think that's fascinating. I mean, let's look. That's the Denver Nuggets too, to a point, right? I mean, with Jokic, you know, we saw we watched all those games of the finals. We're like, who are going to be the celebrities here? Oh, wait, it's all current and former members of the Denver Broncos, <laughs> basically. Like this, and Russell Wilson, who yeah. somehow shoehorned his way in already. But sometimes yeah. that, if you're a young star, is the best place to be because you're just dealing. You're dealing with a different sort of set of media expectations night to night. It's yeah. not like you're in obscurity. I mean, everybody's gonna be watching these games, just leak past all that stuff. But you're just questions you face, the media horde you are looking out at from the podium, it's just going to be different night mm. to night. And I think for him, for Wemby, that's that's a pretty ideal scenario in a lot of ways. I think so, too. And you got Popovich there, and you got like the Tim Duncans, Tony Parker, obviously a, a French guy that's going to you know stick his neck out for you. Uh, I saw Batum was talking about trying to mentor him. So he's going to have a lot of people in his corner from day one, which will be fascinating. And Jokic, I mean, I mentioned Messi, I mentioned Wimby. Now we have Jokic, who doesn't want to do media, who doesn't <laughs> even want to go to the parade. But you know we need to cover him as an A1 guy to help sell the NBA. So he's another international guy that's fascinating. Well, he really not want to do things afterwards because I saw it was, we saw the parade thing. Yes. Oh, he does. You know, he's just not bought into all this stuff. But then the next thing I saw was he was falling into the pool. He was he was tackling Jamal Murray. With Jamal into Murray, the pool. which looked like a guy who was pretty excited to win an NBA championship to me. Right. I think he's uh, he and Giannis both are savvy in the way that they do things, and I think that Jokic, like they had him popping open the champagne, and he just like he knew the cameras were in front of him, so he barely did anything. And they're like, "This guy after he wins his first championship," but then, like you said, I think behind the closed doors, I think he was very excited and celebrating. So yeah. it's just funny, like the 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 prickly nature that you want to present versus the reality of probably how you actually feel about it. And the close reading of everything he says Mm -hmm. for us to try to like figure him out. I mean, there was that great moment. I think it was after game three or game four where he did the sideline interview after the game, after the Nuggets won with Lisa Salters. And he was like, you know, he had a great, it must have been game three, he had a great triple-double, right? And she's yeah. like asking about it. He's like, you know, what's important is is us getting the W. And he was praising Jamal Murray and praising his teammates. And afterwards, like, wow, he really handled that interview well. And I'm like, that's what all players say after a game like this. Right. Jamal Murray's like, you know, I would have happy to lose if we could have gotten if I could have gotten 50 tonight. Like, no, like, that's what they all say. Right. But we're trying to, because he is new at this level of basketball. He's won a couple of MVPs, but he's new in the championship tier, as our pal Rosillo was talking about the other day. So we're all trying to do a close reading of all these answers and figure him out a little bit, I think. And now we have this future where I think we have Giannis and we have Jokic, and they're kind of like your magic and bird. We went from LeBron, Curry, two American guys who had contrasting styles. One's a shooter, one plays with skill, the other plays with force, and it's been sort of like this rags-to-riches American story. And now you can have a guy from you know Greece and a guy from Serbia who are going to be the face in a pretty much domestic sport. I mean, I guess it's getting more international. China, obviously, but in general... The American NBA fan now is going to be watching these two guys go head-to-head, which is fascinating. It's just a different NBA. And slow moments of this finals, I kept thinking, I can't wait for Giannis and Jokic. That was my yes. that was my thought. I was like, I wish Giannis were here right now. And people forget Giannis was hurt against the Heat. He missed two games mm-hmm. in that series, and the guy doesn't miss games often. I remember the Hawks game uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals where we thought he tore his ACL, and then all of a sudden he's back and totally fine. So for him to miss games, it obviously he was definitely injured at that point. So, but we'll uh, get it one day. I mean, I th- we might get it like three times right which would be fantastic that's what we all want that's what we all want and uh, we don't have to talk about ratings that was uh we, there was actually some good ratings so we won't talk about that so, somebody tweeted that at me home. and said they can hang two banners in denver <laughs> people actually watch we want a title we got good ratings <laughs> yeah. side by side
there you have it. Well, he's Brian Curtis from The Ringer. Where can we find all your amazing work? Obviously, the Press Box. If you are if you want to hear about what's happening in the media, go check out the Press Box pod, pod, podcast. But where else, Brian? Press Box podcast, and then I'll have a story up at TheRinger.com this week about uh, the mood, shall we say, mm-hmm. of golf writers who were in the media <laughs> tent, who I was among this week. I love that. I love that. Well, he is Brian Curtis, and uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure to be here. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.